but we will march with the spirit of love and with the spirit of dignity that we have shown here today. By the forces of our demand, our determination, and our numbers, we shall splinter the segregated South into a thousand pieces and put them together in the image of God and democracy. We must say, wake up America, wake up, for we cannot stop and we will not and cannot be patient. Welcome to 10 Minutes on Democracy. That moment of democracy inspiration was John Lewis speaking on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial in 1963 at the March on Washington. I'm Jason Franklin, Senior Advisor at One for Democracy, and today is Tuesday, September 7th. Moving from 1963 to today, I'm keeping my eye on a range of developments this last week that are pushing a range of our most divisive political issues closer to the breaking point. At the state level, Texas's so-called abortion heartbeat bill went into effect last Thursday after a Wednesday midnight ruling from the Supreme Court allowed the law to take effect. But in doing so, the court's majority did not pass judgment on the merits of the law. It sets up a unique and possibly unconstitutional enforcement mechanism dependent on private citizens using the courts to stop abortions. Instead, they simply ruled that there was not enough standing to justify an early ruling. In a rare move for one of these unsigned orders, all four of the dissenting justices, the court's three liberal justices plus Chief Justice Roberts, authored opinions. Justice Sotomayor wrote, Presented with an application to enjoin a flagrantly unconstitutional law engineered to prohibit women from exercising their constitutional rights and evade judicial scrutiny, a majority of justices have opted to bury their heads in the sand. The court's failure to act rewards tactics designed to avoid judicial review and inflicts significant harm on the applicants and on women seeking abortions in Texas. Coupled with the agreement by the court already to hear a case over the Mississippi law banning abortion at 15 weeks, reproductive justice advocates see this as the closest ever moment to overturning Roe v. Wade since that landmark ruling and highlights how reproductive choice will remain a key debate in the coming electoral cycle. Yesterday, Attorney General Merrick Garland said that the Department of Justice will protect Texas women seeking abortions and that it's exploring all options to challenge the controversial ban. This includes aiding women seeking abortions via authority from the Federal FACE Act, a 1994 law that makes it illegal to physically prevent or threaten someone from getting reproductive health services, and calling on U.S. attorneys and the FBI in Texas to protect clinics and health centers. Also in Texas, the legislature successfully pushed through their omnibus voter suppression legislation last Tuesday after I recorded last week's 10 Minutes on Democracy. It took two special sessions this summer after Democrats fled Texas to deny quorum during the first session. Two lawsuits were filed quickly after this ban was passed. The first was filed by a group of civil rights organizations claiming that the bill adds restrictions that would burden the First Amendment rights of community organizations in their attempt to engage with voters, particularly those with disabilities or with limited English proficiency. The second came from the Harris County Elections Office and a bunch of other community organizations claiming that the provisions of the law target those who need assistance to vote and undermines the right to fair access to the vote itself. This latest in a series of repressive state voting laws has added fuel to the calls to pass the For the People Act in Congress. But frankly, with so much attention devoted to the federal spending bills, I think it really remains to be seen if there's going to be momentum to pass the For the People Act. 
Majority Leader Schumer has said that voting rights will be the first piece of legislation on the agenda when the Senate returns from recess, though, so something to watch very closely in the days to come. Down in Virginia, new ads are launching after Labor Day in the lead up to the November elections. Virginia holds its statewide elections in off years, and the races for both statewide offices and the legislature are often looked at as an indicator of how the political winds are blowing for the midterms the year following. After decades of organizing and slow but steady demographic changes, Virginia has really shifted from purple to a purpley blue state. Democrats took control of the entire state government as part of their wins in the pushback against Trump. So while polls right now are tight as we look towards November in Virginia, Democrats are favored to retain their control, and all the new ads coming out are tying Republicans to Trump in a sign of his overall net negatives outside of his own base. So if Republicans do show any unexpected wins, or even if they keep the race really close, it's another indicator for Democrats to be worried. And if ads tying Republicans to Trump are not seen as effective, it might be another sign adding to the growing pile of indicators that Trump may run again in 2024. One other big thing to watch in Virginia is the voting process itself. With Democratic control, Virginia actually passed a range of very strong pro-voter legislation, expanding access to voting. I expect to see many comparisons and investigations of the impact of that legislation this November in comparison to Republican voter suppression efforts. Lastly, nationally, in a sad parallel to Labor Day, federal pandemic unemployment benefits in the U.S. expired yesterday. More than 7 million people will lose those aid payments and another 3 million will lose the $300 weekly supplement. The end of that aid period came really without objection from Biden or his economic team. We're really hoping that other new federal help and an uptick in this fall in hiring will keep the nation's most economically vulnerable out of foreclosure and bankruptcy. That $1.9 trillion COVID aid package last year, or last March, extended and expanded benefits for unemployed workers but it had an end point. And with the fights to pass the $1.2 trillion infrastructure package and the $3.5 trillion spending bill on the horizon, there's really no space or will to fight for an extension of those pandemic benefits. Instead, I would expect to see the debates on the impact of their ending feed into these bigger funding fights. Also, now that we're past Labor Day, the once in a decade redistricting process is really kicking into gear. States have begun releasing proposed congressional district maps, and they're grappling with condensed timelines to how to draw these maps given the late release of data. I'll dive more into this next week, but new maps from Colorado to Oregon are already being presented, and the Census Bureau has just announced it's going to be releasing its easy-to-use version of the 2020 data needed to redraw political maps next Thursday, much earlier than expected, and that's just going to feed into the debates. So more on that redistricting process and other federal voting rights developments next week. But for now, thanks for joining to hear a quick review of the key issues of the week. I'm Jason Franklin. It's Tuesday, September 7th. And thanks for joining 10 Minutes on Democracy.